Hello and welcome to another episode of the Christian Reef podcast. Today, my guest is a fellow YouTuber. He's a traveler, so he travels around the world to various exotic locations, which I'm sure right now many of us would, would love to be doing. And he's also a graphic designer as well with his own business. So there's a lot of different things that this guy is involved with. He's very active on YouTube like myself. He's always trying lots of different things. Um, yeah. Hello and welcome to the show. How are you doing? <laughs> Hello, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. It's a nice day for it. <laughs> I know, I know. I was thinking that when, when um, I was getting ready for this podcast, I was like, damn, it's really hot. And then I was kind of thinking about a couple of things here because I know that you're you're a ginger man. So, yeah. And uh, <laughs> my, my dad is ginger and I think I've, I don't know if it quite works this way, but I've definitely got like, you know, like I burn in the sun, like for whatever reason, if I use suntan lotion, it's just, you know, it's, it's not effective. So <laughs> I know the feeling, man. Yeah. It's one of those like slightest bit of sun you're asking to be burnt as a ginger. <laughs> it just sucks, doesn't it? I mean, I've definitely got the gene. I know that because when I grow my beard out, it, it goes ginger, which is amazing. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, the point being that I remember years ago, I went on a holiday uh, and it was at the only tr time in my life I've tried to do proper sun tanning because yeah. I, I like to just go out and, and have fun and do stuff. But we were with some boring people. So uh, they wanted to just sit on the beach. And I was like, oh, okay, well, let's give this a try. So laid down on the beach, put like, I don't know, factor 50, whatever the fuck, just some really strong shit on. Um, and it didn't work. I just burned to a crisp and then showering for the next two weeks was probably the, one of the most painful experiences of my life. So... <laughs> <laughs> Did you get all like blistered up from it all then? Not quite, but it just, you know, like when you go in the shower and it just burns, even with yeah. cold water. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah, no, I, I definitely know that feeling. It's I feel a regular occurrence. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get right into it. Um, so, what made you decide to become a YouTuber? Well, well, <laughs> it was a few years ago, so we're talking. Right. I think I started my channel in 2016. The current channel that I'm working on, Project Zeb. Yeah, I think I started that in late 2015. Oh, 2015. Okay. Yeah, the channel. Yeah. I think it said around uh, probably early 2016. But that. So you had a channel before that, is that right? Yeah, I've, I've sort of played around with YouTube like over the years. I think my oldest channel goes back to sort of. I think it was 2008. I'll have to check oh, wow. on that. Okay, so you've been doing it a very long time then. Yeah, I, I used to sort of just upload, like, other people's music. Okay, yeah. As, like, a sort of way to build a little community in the mm. background. And just, yeah. like, connect with like-minded like people. Yeah, it's funny, actually. I was I was talking to another guest on, on the show about something similar to this. We were talking about how YouTube used to be able to, you know, host things like movies and such. Where Well, at least ones you didn't have to pay for, anyway. And... Uh, <laughs> We're kind of getting into like the copyright problems and why that's not possible anymore. But yeah, it's it's interesting um, now that you say that because I've been using YouTube probably since it started, and I remember those days. I remember uploading silly videos and not really having a strategy or thinking about it. You just did it for fun. It was just like, yeah, I put some stuff I like on here, put my own shit on here, like whatever. Sometimes it assisted other things, like uh, if you had like a MySpace, I suppose you could like embed a video onto the profile and, you know, maybe just have like a video. Like I, I did skateboarding when I was younger, so I'd have like a oh, video yeah. of me skating or something. But yeah, that's interesting to hear, man. Um, when did you kind of decide to start? 
I guess going like more serious with it because I mean I get that you were experimenting over the years but did it start right from that 2015-2016 mark was it like okay this is this is it now I'm going to do it yeah I sort of like strangely got to this point in my life where I was like what so talking five years ago I was like fresh out of uni Mm. couldn't get a job in the field I was looking to get a job in so I was sort of like I wasn't really progressing anywhere right so the idea of starting a channel was to sort of document my own progress, oh. whether it be through like my art or through the gym or whatever endeavors I got up to, really. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, actually. I'm in a, pretty much the same position myself, but a little bit different. Like I, I graduated three years ago uh, hmm. in marketing, and uh, ever since then, I sort of worked abroad for three years, came back this year in February... <laughs> And uh, yeah, been been unemployed for five months and just doing YouTube and streaming and all this shit like religiously the whole time. It's a similar feeling. It's like yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is though, you you studied in your field. You did a BA, uh, il- sorry, I got this right. BA illustration and graphics. Yeah, degree. that's correct. <laughs> yeah. So you actually studied in your field, whereas for me, at this point, marketing. I mean, it has its uses. I certainly use my that approach in all of my social media marketing and stuff, but it doesn't um, really apply to, like, I don't know, content creation and video ideas as, as such. But um, you know, how, how exactly did your degree help you, would you say, with, with what you do in terms of graphic design and stuff? Um, I think it helped me progress in a way that... I'd, uh, I've lost the words. Like I'm thinking about the degree. Like it was very um, subject to the opinion of the lecturers. <laughs> yeah. In an art degree, it was what the lecturers liked. They liked and they had their favourite kind of students. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. So being a a thing where it's very opinionated, it was it was it was a bit of a rough time, like being at university, but. I don't know. <laughs> Again, it's interesting because I had another guest on the show who's he's a professional uh, painter, artist, right? Mm. And he kind of he actually studied in Estonia, a different country. And okay. he, he kind of he said it was useful, but um, there were like limitations and restrictions. And like originally, I thought he'd studied um, at least at the high school level. Obviously, it's different at uni, but at the high school level you know, that they are kind of somewhat restrictive. Like, I remember doing art class in, I don't know, 14, 15, and, like, they're telling you, like, no, 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 you can't do this, you have to do it this way, and it's it's very limiting in that sense. But you'd think yeah. by degree level, since you're paying for it, and, you know, it's this idea of, like, fostering your talent and trying to, uh, I guess, give it a platform, you know, properly. And But th- at the same time, it's like you said, they all these lecturers have, like, their own particular style that they favor and maybe they might hate other styles maybe they hate the style that you're into the most i mean it's, it's a tricky thing I, th- I think it might have been partly that yeah <laughs> definitely <laughs> well i mean you you made a success of it i mean you kind of not long after that you started your own sort of clothing brand which hosts all of your designs and stuff as, as i understand it's called arbazar arbazar yeah, Arbazar, yeah. Arbazar, right. And um, I, I recommend everyone go and check that out, by the way. It's actually some really excellent designs on there and illustrations. And I was just kind of blown away by this because 
it's one thing to to kind of make your own clothing brand I mean, it's pretty standard that you know especially if you're doing youtube and, and other creative endeavors that you have some sort of merchandise but to do your own designs as well and not outsource them i mean it's it's got to take a lot of time and, and energy i imagine uh yeah definitely it's it's one of those like very time consuming things where you've got individually upload each product to the store mm-hmm. and obviously the creating of the designs takes even longer so but- I think it's better this way. I think so too, yeah. If you have full creative control over something, you can always steer the direction it's going in, really, can't you? Yeah, definitely. So like, what are your main goals and aspirations with that business, and, and why did you decide to sort of set it up initially? Um, well, I, I set it up with the idea of like not to sort of <laughs> big myself up, but mm. I've always been good at art. Right. Like, and I, I think my designs like show that. Mm-hmm. So I, I really thought I should be doing something with it, but I never really fancy going down the route of, like, say, working in the design studio. Mm-hmm. If I was working there, it's sort of, it's it's a set brief. It's, um, sort of tailored to one, one direction. If if you know what I mean, rather right. than. Right been able to branch out in any way i wanted okay and and sort of looking into the future like where do you kind of see this brand going like are you do you think you'll sponsor anyone or or like what 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 do you reckon let's say the next couple of years look like for our bizarre i'm hoping that it's going to grow more than it is now obviously times are a bit of a struggle with right everything that's going on and no one's really uh, putting into the economy kind of thing mm. like where everyone's struggling a bit it's a bit of a struggle with that but i'm hoping as like my youtube grows that will be like my main merch line alongside the youtube so as one grows the other will grow at the same time right yeah and like i i have to say i mean maybe i've got this wrong but at a glance i haven't seen much like cross promotion seems like they are very much like separate entities at this point and like you said you're waiting for it to grow before maybe you know have i got that wrong though have you advertised it on your youtube a lot or um probably not as much as i should do as of mm-hmm. on youtube i've got that platform of a little following mm-hmm. not huge by any means but definitely okay. a, a core following who are loyal to the channel that's the thing man as my friend uh childish jacko always says fellow youtuber you know it's not like how many people it's it's like that you have that following like some people watching regularly all the time like yeah that that's all that matters really i mean inevitably it will grow i mean at, at the moment you're on 500 subscribers and it's not something to be scoffed at do you know what i mean i mean everyone starts with a very very small amount and you build from that i think it, it comes largely from um getting to know a person as well and, and like getting familiar with them and stuff and certainly i think that your videos do do that very well and there's a lot of different areas within what you do that kind of tell different stories about about you and who you are and what you do and stuff and um just before we get into the different types of videos that you do i just want to talk a little bit about um i guess like your goals and and sort of thoughts with regards to youtube so like why do you like what what do you like most about creating youtube content i think youtube 
gives you the platform to be able to express yourself in ways that you wouldn't be able to in like everyday life. Mm. Like say working in your job, you kind of have to feel a bit reserved. Yeah. Whereas like YouTube, you can just like be like fully expressive. Like, I know with yourself, you do your like short, short films and acting and that kind of thing mm. on your videos. Sort of that expression that you get like putting into videos rather than sort of been in a bit of a mundane lifestyle. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, you, so you mean like having, having like um, the opportunity to explore the creative side of life, um, which might not be necessarily always the case in your day-to-day life. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah. Cause yeah. It, it sort of like in everyday life, you seem to be living the same day every day. <laughs> Especially now. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, I, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. I, sp- I suppose, yeah, it depends on the type of um, job that you have. Like, I know marketing can be very creative. Um, and there's things I love about it, but at the same time, it, yeah, it can be very uh, monotonous with certain things. And uh, sometimes it, it really, like, it, it depends on who you work with. You know what I mean? Like, some companies are more numbers and sales focused and other companies are more like hey yeah let's you know get the design team on board and let's really you know uh i don't know get get out there get a bit abstract with the ideas and such you know yeah but uh, i've I've been sort of working in a shop which i can't go into too much detail about because policies (laughs) oh right i I thought it was more like oh we've got to keep this under wraps guys oh no i get you um just because of policies, that kind of thing. Oh, I see. Is it like you're working with a, in a, I get what you mean. I think, yeah, I think I know what you mean. It's it's like, you can't talk, can't mention them because you're currently working for them. So like, it's it's probably written in the contract, I imagine somewhere. Yeah. I mean, mean, it's, it's it's a job at the end of the day. I know people who are struggling at the moment Mm. and I, I guess I'm blessed to have the job. So that's the main thing, I guess. It is tricky. I mean, I, th- I think that it, certainly it does depend on the industry you're in. And I think one interesting thing about this is it's it's really exposed like what are the necessities and what really aren't, you know, <laughs> in many ways. Um, but with that being said, I mean, things like, like I, f- I found it very interesting that they have this thing of, of like essential businesses, um, which I agree with the concept, you know, maybe you don't need, you know, uh, music venues open and such because it obviously encourage and sports venues you, know, you can do that without crowds and such but do, things like um, like the impact on the film industry as an example um, you know I'm sure you know this you know you're very aware of this that you know like not everyone takes careers in design or art or film or anything like that very seriously necessarily sometimes they look down on it um, yeah. it's usually a generational thing I think it's a bit different now but Certainly when I was growing up, you know, and I was uh, really into my music, I, I would get people telling me, you know, oh, you should pack that in and get a real job. And it's part of the reason I went to uni, to be honest, which is <laughs> kind of sad because now it's come full circle and I'm back doing creative stuff again. <laughs> so it's like life has sort of said like, yeah, you know, you've learned some shit, but uh, let's get back to what we really should be doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. But um, but no, it's, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? It's like society tries to push you in certain directions and and like try to devalue art and art and i use that as a blanket term because it kind of encompasses a lot of different things but 
you know, even if you're like, I don't know, let's say you're like a a lawyer or a doctor, right? There are times when, you know, you need like, say, music or art to get you through the day or through tough times or traveling or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And if that stuff wasn't there, I mean, you know what I mean? It's like the same people that complain about these things are the same people that kind of consume that content as well. So I don't know. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. And I mean, art and music especially have been around, what, forever, pretty much, in some form. (laughs) Madness. Okay, well, moving forward, um, what are your main kind of goals and aspirations with your YouTube? With the YouTube? Oof, I need to get a a consistent upload schedule. That would be my main goal at the moment. I've heard so many people say all sorts of different things. You know, I've heard some people say, oh, uploading every day, multiple times a day is what you should be doing. You know, just keep uploading consistently. Other people are like, yeah, no, you should have it like once or twice a week or on specific days at specific times. I guess it really depends on like your your kind of core audience really, doesn't it? Yeah, um, I mean, they definitely deserve more content than they've been getting. Right. I seem to go on this strange route of I'll upload a load and then I'll disappear off the face of the earth. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to ask you about that real quick, actually. Um, so you've posted like sort of several videos here and there. It's usually like once every kind of six months or something where you kind of say, right, this is it. I'm stopping making videos, right? And mm. then um, you kind of resume after that. Like, So is that kind of you kind of communicating that hey i need a break i don't know if this is working out because it's one thing if you do it like one time but you've done it okay let's say two or three times <laughs> over the course of like a couple of years so i imagine obviously i don't know i'm just speculating but you know since i've kind of been in that mindset you know sometimes you just need a break from everything um to so talk to us about like why you felt that way and how you overcame that I think with YouTube, I know a lot of other smaller YouTubers feel this. With the way the recommendation system works, it doesn't particularly push many of the smaller YouTubers out there. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think a lot of us look at the numbers, like especially views and subscribers, that kind of thing, and look at it in a negative aspect rather than looking at the progress we made so far. Completely agree with you, yeah. And I think that's where you need that little time out to sort of step away from it and clear those negative thoughts and get yourself back into the mindset that you need to be in. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think there there is this issue of fixating too much on the numbers, and um, I've 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 been guilty of it myself. I used to really obsess over it, and now I've kind of just realised that the important thing is to upload good quality content and enjoy it as well i mean i think like if you're just doing anything in life for the sake of it it will always end up being shitty <laughs> yeah i totally agree with that that's spot on i guess you got to think about your audience haven't you and, and like how they would interpret it you know if you're just putting out random shit like just trying to pop some views then it's not really going to work you know um you know, like I, I, for instance with me i've, I've kind of got two channels now so the main channel has some resemblance of a schedule uh it's a bit mad at the moment but i'm 
pretty much just taking advantage of the fact that you know I have loads of time being unemployed and shit. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> I might as well. <laughs> um, yeah. But m- more to the point, uh, that one has more of a serious focus and a schedule, and and it's uh, you know there's a lot of effort and time put into it. But the second channel, which I started up this year is kind of like a home for Twitch stuff and just kind of like random experiments, I guess, you know, so I'll do stuff like instead of promoting it, like, okay, like I did a video on PewDiePie the other day, just a real quick kind of thing of like saying like, Hey, it's kind of bullshit that people are giving him crap for, you know, listening to whatever he wants, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then I talked about my own experience with that. And uh, that video is doing randomly really well. And all I did with that was uh, tweet it. Uh, yeah i didn't do anything else because normally i use uh obviously like reddit facebook instagram wherever you know just like every platform possible and try and push it out somehow yeah yeah because like i'm doing all the other shit that you know they tell you to do like use tube buddy use what's the other one something id uh the other one that isn't tube buddy (laughs) um and and you know basically for that the tags and shit and the seo style stuff but you know i think it works to a to a degree i think like you said like the algorithm ultimately dictates whether or not you get seen and everything else is kind of up to chance um yeah i mean like my best video is just some random video of me talking about things i liked about reddit about five or six yeah. months ago <laughs> which you know is, is not it's okay you know i i would like to think my videos are a lot better now but um back then yeah not so much what works and developing your skills within each field i guess absolutely do you get that thing where you kind of look back at old video well okay better better way to put this do you judge like the quality of your content based on like if you can watch it back and not cringe then it's good (laughs) (laughs) i mean mean, that's definitely a factor but you've always got to consider like where you came from yes like it's all about the um path you took to get here rather than sort of the end product completely agree yeah like anyone out there that's like trying to bury the past man embrace the past Mm. it's good (laughs) Well, um, like the bad stuff. <laughs> what would you mean, like, like controversial? I don't know, like, I don't know. Everyone gets caught up in controversies in the past, don't they? I think you just have to not be an arsehole. That's the key. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, when I look at all the okay, let's chat about this real quick because you did a video about James Charles and um, yeah. sort of like why you felt bad for him and stuff. And okay, I haven't read it. I was uh, sorry, watched it. I've, I was kind of focusing more on like all the different quality of videos that you did but given yeah. that like James Charles was kind of oh what was it he did he, he did something like um, mess some people around and such um, he apologised for it uh, which is important I think that that's a big thing as well that people miss is uh, you know when people apologise and actually mean it because a lot of the time that like, the YouTube apology has become a meme in of itself it's like just always usually bollocks but yeah, that's, I, <laughs> that's the thing i think with him it was genuine and um yeah you, you fuck up you fuck up you move on you learn from it right that's that's what being human is um so with, with you kind of feeling bad for him like what, what 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 was the reason for that um before we get into the 
the other YouTubers. Was, um, the way the video came out when it was, I think it was Tati Westbrook. That's right. Yeah. He, he made the video and it was like, none of these things like really added up. And it was just like, there was this massive witch hunt on James Charles at the time. Mm. And it, it, it was just like, it's this sort of council culture that we got in yeah. the online community. He was like almost cancelled straight away without even having his side of the story told. This is the thing as well. Like I've I've had discussions with other people on my show about council culture before, and and kind of my stance on it is, I I look at like the extremities of what someone has done and try to figure it out based on that. So like if you take like uh, Sean Dawson as an example, um, yeah. ten years ago or more, he was making videos where he was joking about like things like paedophilia. And yeah. like for the most part, it didn't sort of sound like a joke, you know. And okay, one could maybe make the argue like, oh, this was the shock horror kind of shock value humor that early YouTube had, and and to a degree, he has a they have a point with that. Like YouTube was very different back then, but at the same time, that carried out with a long time with him before he, I guess, let's say like revised his his content and such. Um, so like when I see people like him being cancelled, I, I have less of an issue with it. But I do kind of agree that it's a bit too insane to just cancel anyone for any like little mistake they make because it's everyone fucks up. No one's perfect. If we were, then there would be no point in living because that's kind of yeah. the whole point of life is to learn. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess I guess my point being is the extremities of, of, of it. But like, what's your kind of stance on that? Do you do you kind of support it in some cases or do you think it's just bullshit completely? Like, what's, what's your kind of take on it? I mean, there's definitely money in, in the cancel culture thing. Like, mm. I know a lot of big YouTubers will cancel each other for the views. Now that's and an interesting it, point. It'll get into trending. It's, it's sort of like this weird formula where it's sort of 90% of the council culture is just this weird view spinner, pretty much. I have to say that in the times that I've had this discussion before, no, no one's ever come up with that point. And I think that's a really excellent point. Like, it immediately makes me think of uh, H3H3 versus uh, Drama Alert. Yeah. Um, what one could argue that maybe Ethan was just going after Keemstar because Keemstar can be an asshole, not always, but sometimes. Um, and but then again, so can Ethan. So, it's <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it it does on on reflection, it or like from an outsider's perspective, it does look like it could just, as you say, be a view spinner. And certainly on today's YouTube, it's something that I steer away from. I always try and avoid controversy wherever possible. I've had a yeah. few little things on, which on my channel, I guess, like, okay, I did a video about incels, which is kind of like infamous now. Because mm. um, it just pissed people off in that community. And it was very light, you know, because I, I don't ever go out and attack people. It's just not who I am. But I will call people out on bullshit. That's something I do do. <laughs> yeah, and I was just looking at it from a from a kind of outsider's perspective, mainly just like reading like definitions online and just kind of taking it apart and seeing the humor in it and such. And there were just some pe like some ruthless people in the comments, just ruthless. And uh, it started as a debate, which I'm all for. I think debates are very healthy. And eventually, they, it just led to like them throwing insults at me, and then as like for me, 
when hate or criticism is like that, I start ignoring it because I'm all for constructive criticism, but uh, hate comments are like, nah, you know, see you later. But um, how do you handle criticism and receiving hate comments? I mean, I, I don't receive that many hate comments, if I'm honest. <laughs> I'm just perfect. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I don't tend to sort of stay away from any of the drama things. Like that James Charles video, I think that's probably the only video on my channel where I've like talked about any of the drama that's going on in YouTube, to be honest. Did you get any pushback for that video? I, I think a lot of people sort of supported the idea of what I've said. Right. I, I think it's like just off brand of what my channel is even about, to be honest. Uh, fair play. I it's get what you mean. Like random video in the middle of sort of travel and fitness stuff. <laughs> this is one of the reasons why I set up a second channel as well, is to have that platform to just talk about any old shit. Because I feel like, yeah. yeah, once you've kind of established, as you say, like you've got your travel, your fitness, um, your vlogs, you know, your music vlogs, like it's all kind of building this kind of uh, i suppose like an expectation within your audience of what to expect so if you randomly pull out this just random video out of nowhere that's off topic maybe some people might feel a bit like i don't want to say like annoyed but like what's this what's this shit what <laughs> well in the sense that maybe they're waiting for like your next uh gym video and then they see that and they're like oh but i wanted this one <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I had a couple of people who said, like, they don't even know who these people are. <laughs> <laughs> like, especially when you're not, like, sort of involved in the YouTube community side of things. Right. That's a big factor as well, actually. Yeah. I mean, I a lot like of us as YouTubers, we see what, say, all the other big YouTubers doing, like, what they're putting out. Mm. And there's sort of this part of us which analyzes what they're doing and seeing what works. It's a good point, actually, um, because I guess it, it kind of depends on your age demographic as well. Like myself and, and yourself, I guess, you know, we kind of grew up with YouTube when we were teens. So we were like fans of YouTube, I suppose. Um, yeah. And like we became fat. like there were many early YouTubers that I was really into, like, I don't know, English ones. People might remember Charlie is so cool, like or Charlie McDonald. He was a very big English YouTuber and kind of kind of like <laughs> like the grandfather of the vlog in a way. Yeah. Um and that style of of YouTube videos still exists today but it's I guess it's less popular because now it's more about yeah, shitting on other people, um commentary videos, all of this stuff which has its place and, and some people do it really well and I get that and I I guess it's just it's very difficult to do something truly unique on YouTube that people like dig and will get behind. Um, and a lot of it takes, yeah, many, many years to, to get, you know, get on track. Like I was looking into just randomly the, uh, Joe Rogan podcast more because oh, I've, yeah. I've just been, you know, trying to gain inspiration from my own podcast and, and just kind of learn some, a thing or two. And, and cause it's a good podcast. I enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I was looking at his early stuff and it's, it's not bad, but it's, it's not easy to watch. Like it's doesn't have the same vibe that it has now and it kind of made me realize like it wouldn't like these things take time you know you gotta take time to to hone your craft so to speak you know and uh i think that kind of is the case for all types of uh content that you create like it's never gonna 
necessarily you know you're not going to necessarily hit it out of the park the first time you know <laughs> yeah definitely it's it's part of that sort of character progression throughout the years i thought you were going to say character development for us <laughs> oh, i was thinking of <laughs> i know what you mean i know what you mean I, I i look back at my old vlogs sometimes and i think like damn man just just be more confident like just fine <laughs> relax <laughs> <laughs> Because these days it's totally different. Like instead of going, uh, uh, I just literally just stick on the camera and start recording, and then that's it. And obviously, like I'll have some bullet points, but I know that I'll go off on tangents, and then that'll be it. Yeah, <laughs> we've we've all got different styles. Different. So say that again. It just descends into something different. Yeah, I think I think it takes time to to get to that point, and and plus, like everyone has. A different approach as well you know what i mean like a vlog i suppose in a way is a very personal thing so everyone communicates in their own way and uh, they know there is no right or wrong way to do it necessarily but i, I do think the the only wrong way there is to do it is to not be yourself <laughs> yeah i agree with that that's there, there are some people in my community and i love you guys but um you know who you are Please stop faking. It's it's painful to watch. It's just <laughs> they they think that they're being, um, I guess entertaining. I don't know. Uh, maybe they saw another YouTuber that they admire doing it. But the, the reality is, no one wants to see a like a bootleg version of someone else. You want to see something new, something unique, something different, or like a unique take on something that's already been done. But um, outright just copying another person's demeanor or style or whatever is just it sucks <laughs> i don't know that's just my yeah. opinion but anyway I agree on that it's sort of like everyone tries to be something that they're not yeah. rather than forging their own path exactly uh, i think that's where people sort of they start putting out content which they don't even like themselves right yeah that's a and then one. it's just like this negative thing they're producing I, th I think it's like it's good to experiment but yeah it, it, i think it's bad if you're producing stuff that you don't like or that like like for me I, i've done stuff on my channel that you know okay like for instance i did reaction videos uh, i didn't yeah. do many but i did a few and um it was a lot of effort for something that like yeah, I didn't really gain that much enjoyment from, to be honest. I mean, it was just fine, you know. But I, I feel like it, it's better... Like, okay, I did one video where I reacted to my old band that I was in years ago. And so yeah. that, that was fun. That was like a nostalgia trip. And I was like, huh, I might do something like this again. But the ones where I was just reacting to, like, I don't know, some TLC program <laughs> or something, it's like, ugh. Like all this editing and shit for it to then only probably just get fucking copyright claimed as well on top of everything else. It's just like it's not worth it, man. <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah, that's a really good point, man. Uh, but moving on, now you've created many travel videos for your YouTube. This is a big part of of who you are. It's obviously one of the ways that I introduced you. Uh, what does traveling mean to you? <laughs> traveling. Wow. <laughs> Um, yeah, so like the, the videos on my channel were actually a scratch on the surface of what I've got. Damn. I, um, I think I was away for 16 months. Holy shit. So, oh, that's yeah. Two years. So, oh. 
I sort of travelled around Asia and ended up living in New Zealand for a year. Damn. Talk us uh, through some of the most amazing stuff that you've seen and the places you've been. Oh, God. Like, it, it was like... It's, it's almost like looking back on it, I think that everything was a dream. Uh, I know the feeling, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's just so strange, like, being able to go to, like, the Taj Mahal was insane. Oh, my God, wow. Like, it's so much more impressive than you think it is from pictures. Yeah, I was going to say, because, like, some things look... Yeah, some things are incredible and some things are not. Like, I remember going to Hollywood and being really underwhelmed mm. right? because it's, like, tiny. <laughs> um, yeah. And not how it's portrayed in movies. But then, like, the desert in America is fucking incredible. So it's, I don't mm. know. Yeah, strange. But... I mean, I was lucky enough to um, travel with one of my friends for nine months of the trip. Now, how was it being in that close proximity to one person? Because I've had, let's say, difficulties with people I've traveled with. Um, yeah. who are friends and I mean it, to me it's the same as like living with someone you know it's like for instance in a relationship like I, I feel like you should always do it in stages date them for a while then move in together and see how that works and see if you can live together and then move on and I feel like it's the same with friends uh, in terms of living together and also traveling together but yeah how, how was it for you in, in regards to that well like before we went traveling, we hadn't actually seen each other for like five years. <laughs> Holy shit. We sort of, um, I don't, I think I was in Sweden meeting an online friend from a video game. Oh, wow. And he like, my, the friend I went traveling with, he messaged me saying, what are you doing in Sweden? Like, do you want to meet up for a beer when you get back kind of thing? Oh, sick. So like going to Sweden and meeting an online friend was just like insane in itself. Mm. But um, coming back, like we went on this crazy night out, and um, at the end of the night, we just sort of like started talking about traveling. Was this okay? Was this like drunken talk where you were shit faced and it was like, oh, we should go to this place, we should go to this bar, this would be amazing. And then when you woke up the next day, you called them and they were like, hey, so about that travel talk? Yeah, like <laughs> we were talking about like Sri Lanka and India. Yeah, and um. We were just like drunk, and then the next day we like messaged each other, just like, "Did you want to go traveling still?" <laughs> and like we met up and booked flights to Sri Lanka that day. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> how far? Not how like far, flying far out far on ahead. the day, but like we bought the tickets there and then. That's incredible, man. <laughs> and then sort of, I think it was six months later, we just flew out to Sri Lanka, and then the rest is history. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, what other places have you been to, man? So the trip was Sri Lanka, India. Mm -hmm. um, then we went to. Did we go after that? I think we, we went to the Philippines over Christmas and New Year's. Oh, nice. We went to um, a little island called Boracay. Wow. Which is basically like a little party island. <laughs> that sounds amazing. And that whole two weeks is a bit of a blur, to be honest. <laughs> How does uh, Christmas and New Year's differ? In, in the Philippines compared to here? Um, it was strange. Like, obviously, we were on a party island on a beach. And we ended up having um, KFC for breakfast on Christmas Day. The fuck? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. What's, uh, what's KFC crazy. like there, actually? That's a good question. 
it's it's different. Like in all the different countries across sort of Asia, you've got random things like muk spaghetti. Muk spaghetti. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of that. That's a new one. <laughs> yeah, it's strange. And then like in India, you got all the the different sorts of burgers, like right, yeah, yeah, yeah. that sort of culture. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Um, mm-hmm. What are the kind of the best and worst places that you've travelled to, and and why was that the case? Um, Sri Lanka was incredible for when we went there. Obviously, it's the first country out on the trip, and it was it was sort of like an island par- paradise, right? And like the locals were so friendly and everything just fell into place like perfectly. Okay. So we met a couple of friends on the first couple of days and just traveled around with them for the whole month. Yeah. And then obviously moving on to New Zealand where I ended up living for a year. That that was just a completely different experience. It was, it's quite a surreal country to be in. Like everything's so different from the UK. I gotta say, there is also a big difference between traveling and living somewhere as well. Like I lived in yeah. uh, Estonia for three years, and that taught me a lot about European life, various different cultures. Again, yeah, the comparison between um, you know Estonia and Europe, and then the UK. I was I was much more appreciative of many of the things we have in the UK actually. So when I returned, I was like, oh, thank God, do we have this and this and this? Because yeah. <laughs> um, it, it is different, you know, and, and the way that especially governments treat their uh, people is is mm. very interesting as well. Like you, I'm not saying that the UK government has our best interests at heart because they certainly don't but there are certain things in place particularly with regards to law and legislation that protect us in, in various ways yeah but um but yeah. Mean, definitely be in worse situations in this country absolutely yes gotta, gotta be grateful right. of what, what you have okay well talk us through do you have any like horror stories in terms of like travel like bad hotels or bad scary moments or anything like that <laughs> Um, so when we first got into India, this was a really weird one. We had booked like this weird hotel place and we turned up at the place and it turned out that it was like a, a place where cancer patients go to die. Fucking hell. Yeah. So what? we were in there and it, yeah, <laughs> um, it, it was our first day in India. We, um, walked in there and we were looking around and we were like, this is weird. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, we just sort of like looked at each other. There was like mold on the walls. It was oh, just like no. an absolute dump. But I mean, <laughs> so what happened? Like, who, did you talk to someone and they said like, "Oh, wrong place," or, or like, "Oh, here's your bed." Or... <laughs> we got it on Booking dot com. <laughs> oh no! But we um we basically just paid them the money. It wasn't that much. We paid them the money and just like got a taxi to the beach <laughs> so oh so you stayed at this place huh you stayed at this place no we left oh you let oh so it was like compensatory money or whatever yeah we just sort of paid them the money anyway because we felt bad we were only there like an hour wow. we paid them the money and just left was it really sort of expensive or was it just like peanuts or something uh, it was like 800 rupees i don't know what that is that's like five pound or something so yeah, super super cheap then, Jesus. Yeah. 
Okay, all right. That's, that's definitely the difference for like traveling Asia. It's yeah, yeah. I've heard this a lot, and I was kind of intrigued by if it, if it still kind of is the same right now as well. Obviously, this was in within the last couple of years, was it? Yeah, it surprised me. It's coming up to three years now. Three years in October. Damn. Do you still have an itch to go? Do you have an itch to go back traveling? I I would like to. Where where would you go? And on it's it's not feasible at the moment to be honest where would you go if, if you could right now i want to do some more of asia and hmm. perhaps south america Ooh. depending on what's going on okay i've been thinking about like bolivia and peru but so you've got your eyes on all the kind of picturesque places picturesque places and places with lots of history which is pretty cool because mm. a lot of the time when you hear people traveling they're like yeah you know i want to go to america i want to go france i want to go spain blah 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 and like i like that it does constitute traveling but i do think that like to get the real traveling experience you got to like sort of get really knees deep in in the culture and the history of a place and and, and 100 yeah, and like backpacking is is such a it's it's you know it's it's not easy it's it's scary but it's uh, probably a very effective way of doing it and, and getting sort of stuck in and, and such yeah it's definitely one of those things where you'll learn a lot about yourself traveling mm, i agree i agree it's a very humbling experience to sort of especially india where there's a massive divide between wealth and poverty right yeah like even in like mumbai you see like people with these like super fancy cars in the city yeah and then on the outskirts so like the sort of favela kind of things Mm. where they um they have little to nothing at all and it's just a massive divide really but it humbles you seeing other people's ways of life and makes you really appreciate what you got i always kind of look at like how how the people are as well like in terms of whether or not they're happy because often you see like these adverts on tv that are like oh you know and they show show these people looking super depressed and miserable and like there is that don't get me wrong i'm not saying that doesn't exist but there is a lot of of like happiness too do you know what i mean like sometimes by having nothing you learn to appreciate uh the small things in life or like what really matters and um i don't know i guess it helps you especially if you go from like a like someone like yourself and or myself where you know you have by comparison riches you know in a way you know what i mean like mm-hmm. by comparison living in the uk is is like that um so then going to somewhere where that's not the case really helps you to re- reevaluate your own mindset and the way you think and so on and so forth yeah definitely you would notice like people are happy to have food on their plate and be Mm. with their families i think where we lack that in this country you can like walk into any supermarket buy whatever you want and you're still not happy (laughs) people need people need to cook more man i think that's really important cooking is not just about eating it's it's like good for the soul Mm. (laughs) i don't know like ever since i started living alone like properly i've been cooking a lot and i really enjoy it i don't know it's like therapeutic almost 
and somewhat creative as well. You know? Yeah. Like I, I made myself some pasta the other day and I was just eating it. And I was like, God damn, this is, <laughs> this is some good shit right here. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good at this. <laughs> nah, but like, you know, it's trial and error, isn't it? But I think a lot of people are kind of lazy or maybe scared as well. Like, you know, I know that when I first went to uni all those years ago, uh, I didn't know how to cook for shit. And uh, it's actually my ex-girlfriend that taught me to cook. So thank you so yeah. much for that. Because <laughs> uh, it was quite a funny story, actually. She, she started dating me and um, I was living in halls off of like tins of like baked beans and shit. I'd, uh, my shop would be like 30 cans of that and then some other shit. And one of my other flatmates was just like, you're going to get scurvy or something on this shit. Like, what's wrong with you? And um, then my ex kind of just saw this and was like, no, okay, we're going to go get some real food and you're going to cook. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And she's like, just stop being an idiot and just do what I say. <laughs> and it was, yeah. And then I wasn't scared anymore and it's now it's fine. But <laughs> it's all part of that learning curve, isn't it? It's... Oh, it's so important though. Like not just that, but like just doing stuff for yourself, I think in general, like even travel, like I think, so many people miss the point about why travel is important. Like I remember years ago listening to, um, I think it was the Ricky Gervais podcast, possibly, but uh, it was Stephen Merchant talking about travel, and he just had this like throwaway, uh, I guess, quote that kind of really just stopped me in my tracks. He basically said like, you know, travel broadens the mind. Yeah. And like at first, like hearing that, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, maybe you just learn a bit more about the world but then once I started living abroad and traveling to other countries as well like I really started to get what that meant and why like why travel is so important like I think if you spend long enough away from your homeland as well uh, because I experienced homesickness which I've never felt in my life before Mm. Um, and that was sometimes very depressing um, very difficult but interesting as well because I was almost like not angry with the UK but I was a bit like disappointed once I'd finished my degree I was just like oh can't find a job nothing's fucking going my way oh screw this country I'm gonna leave kind of that dude (laughs) and then when I came back I was just so grateful to be home and um yeah I just have a different attitude now I guess but um yeah I don't know For, for me that that travel travel is good it's good for you yeah, it definitely changes you for the better it makes you think differently rather than sort of going about your day-to-day life the same forever would you say it's kind of made your content better or like you know imp- improved maybe your mindset so you have a better mindset in terms of approaching creating youtube content i'd say yeah definitely like going away traveling is the biggest thing you could do to like improve your confidence mm so it helps you come out of your shell and find who you like really are. I know that sounds like super cliche. <laughs> it's true, man. It's true. But, uh, I used to be a lot more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A lot more reserved. Right. I used to like sort of keep to myself and mm. not be overly confident kind of thing. Yeah. But then like when you're put in a situation where you've got to force yourself to try new things like different flavors or try and learn the local language to communicate with people 
like it, it just completely changes you i know what you mean like for me i i grew up as an introvert that learned that you need to be extroverted to just get mm. shit done like in life doesn't mean you have to be extrovert all the time i guess a better description would be omnivert <laughs> um <laughs> But like I can kind of sympathize with both. I know why extroverts need to be like that. And I also completely sympathize with introverts because I feel that too from time to time. Plus like dealing with shit like social anxiety and all that crap. Mm. But but just in general, like I feel like it's, uh, it's important to like understand that, you know, the world expects you to be extroverted, but that doesn't mean that you have to be all the time. And it's actually good to, spend a lot of time with yourself and like, this is what I mean like society kind of makes you think like, like oh if you're alone there's something really wrong with your life and you know what I mean like you, you can't go to a restaurant on your own and you can't like sit at home and enjoy your own company because you know that's that means there's something wrong with you <laughs> and it's just such bullshit. <laughs> oh man I mean there's some days that I'm just like I, I don't want to deal with people like just screw mm. people and, like no <laughs> no <laughs> I'm one of those where I can sort of be by myself for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I know I've got things I can be doing without people. I'm the I same. work on all the time. I'm the same. Like, I, I think it's healthy in all areas as well. Like, um, particularly if you have a relationship as well and you have someone that's on one side that's really overbearing or something or needs a lot mm. of attention. Um, I think it's really healthy if you have two people that are like, sort of independent of each other you know you come together you have your time together but you also have like your own time away where you do your own shit (laughs) yeah yeah i think that's the best way to have it really yeah i mean with everything yes i I always i don't know in my life right now the thing that i always seem to be pursuing is is like balance in every area and i feel that like the older that i get the more it, it might kind of becomes apparent that that's the right way to be moving forward and um but yeah everyone has their own approach i guess Mm. but uh switching it up let's talk more about your your fitness talk to us about how you got into training and fitness and and why it's such an important part of your life so the fitness side of things i am i was in a stage where i was playing video games all day, every day. <laughs> and I um, I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I need to go and be active yeah. in my life. I don't get me wrong, like video games are great, but when it's like all encompassing, mm. you're just like grinding out nothingness for days on end. I know what you mean. You need that sense of like accomplishment in every day and it doesn't, necessarily yeah. feel that way yeah <laughs> the thing about gym you know like if you go out your house go down to the gym smash a hard workout you suddenly like flip your mindset to be like i've done this to the end mm. i've worked hard and then that comes over into your different projects like the youtube and like my art that kind of thing it makes me more motivated to work on those things I get that too often um if I spend too long like today I'm planning on going out after this and it's because like I haven't been properly outside in like the last four or five days been feeling under the weather and such Mm. and already I can like there's this like feeling I have of like almost like suffocation 
It's really weird. It's like if I'm in here too long without doing exercise or going out, I feel like I just can't breathe. And it, it, I know it's in my head, but it's... I just think it's really important to, to do that. Like you said, like be active, not for, just for your body, but yeah, for your mind to, to like... Because I don't know, everyone's creative process is different. But like for me, it's really random. I just, just come... And I'm yeah. like, okay, all right, let's write this shit down or let's do this right now. Um, I know obviously everyone's, like I said, everyone's mindset's different. Some people, you know, you have to plan and, and really, you know what I mean? It's like a, a series of chapters or something like that. But for other people, sometimes it is just that like, yeah, waking up randomly at 3 a.m. and, oh, shit, I got this idea. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it depends, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, I, I, cu I couldn't agree more with you on that one. I feel like it's a very uh good way to, to give your mind some space to breathe <laughs> yeah definitely it's, it's definitely one of those things like it helps with your overall well-being yeah i know i get myself into these really dark holes of depression mm -hmm. where i like i completely close off the rest of the world and i go into like my little shell and then at the end of it i sort of like explode out of it with this weird burst of creativity i'm the same I guess that's yeah. what, going back to my youtube we were saying earlier where i disappear off the face of the earth for a while mm -hmm. yeah i mean I, I know what you mean there have been times when particularly when i've been at my darkest where maybe i wrote a bit of poetry and it was you know quite I don't want to say profound. That makes me sound like a twat, but like, like it maybe it was better than what I normally write because it was real, like really, really real. Like you know, uh, like rather than talking about a feeling that you had before, like you're actively going for it and you're writing it as you feeling it, kind of thing. Um, but then, yeah, I, I feel like with depression, it's tricky when you're a content creator because you can either take some time, rest be away from it and then come back to it refreshed or, or whatever or you can try to like push through it like sometimes i i don't know when it comes to like gymming and being active sometimes it's better to go out and, and get active and then you know obviously do cardios get that those endorphins out there and then put yourself in that positive mindset again but other times it's better to just rest and because you just don't have physically have the energy to do that yeah it's, it's really weird how how that works but i guess the body always kind of tells you what it wants do you know what i mean yeah <laughs> I don't know. yeah my body definitely tells me that it's like stop please for the love of god <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why it tells me to like disappear off the face of the earth and not get in contact with anyone but <laughs> yeah i think that's a good point as well. thing. yeah like a lot of people don't realize like how important it is to just have that time to yourself you know, they get selfish. They're like, oh, why didn't you call me? And it's like, it's not all fucking about you, man. <laughs> like, you, you need that mo that time to yourself to just, just be. <laughs> but anyway. I think it's all, it links into that, like, social media expectation as well, doesn't it? Where, mm. like, say everyone from school or wherever you've met them, they're all sort of getting into relationships, having babies and stuff. Oh, I hate that. And then people are like asking you, like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> it's like, do you know what? Like, fuck in that. My own it, I, I agree. For some reason, it really bothers me. 
I don't know why as well, because it's other people's lives and who gives a fuck about other people's lives. But for some reason, it really bothers me when you see people that endlessly post pictures of like, like them with their babies and, you know, family and shit. And it's like, okay, it's sweet. But like when you do it 50 fucking thousand times a day, uh, it's jarring for anyone like just in your timeline. You know, sometimes I often mute people that do that because I just don't want to see that shit. And it's not that I'm not happy for them. It's just that, like, yeah, firstly, that idea of, of like, oh, shit, maybe I should have that, you know, like, what's wrong with me kind of goes through my head. But then it's also just, like, you know it's kind of bollocks as well. Like, real people that, like, real people that are really, like, I don't know about you, but for me, if I'm, like, dating someone and I'm really happy, I don't really post about it. I just enjoy it. You know what I mean? And like once in a blue moon, maybe some picture will come out. But I, I don't fucking plaster it everywhere. Like, hey guys, hey guys, guess what? Guess what? I'm in a relationship. Everyone, everyone, look. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where like some people just like post everything about their relationship online, <sighs> and then others like to keep it more private. Yeah, and like don't get me wrong, everyone has their um, their choice, and and I, I respect that. But at the same time, it's like I do feel like it's something that more or less you grow out of like I was one thing when we were 14 and it's like oh look they've announced they're in a relationship and 50 you know statuses about how much they love each other and you know it's all bollocks and you're just yeah. kids but that was then but when you got people in their 20s and 30s doing it it's like <laughs> I also feel like if you have a life as, and I, I am really going out on an, an attack here but I don't give a fuck because I just bothers me <laughs> Um, go out and get a life. Go do some, get some hobbies. You know, the world does extend beyond you know your kids and and your husband and wife or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with that. Just uh, well yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. Maybe maybe I am just being an ass, but I just I know so many people that don't do that. I think that's the thing. I know so many families that are just happy and content and don't need to do that. And once in a while, they might post something, but like. You know, like like you say, they don't give in to that expectation. They don't give a shit. Like they just. So sometimes I wonder, like, what goes through the the, the people's heads that like endlessly post these pictures. You know, it's just. I don't know, maybe it's different when you're in that situation. Nah, because well, I've, I've been in that situation <laughs> and I didn't do it. <laughs> you know, I mean, like I th- when I think back to my ex, I. Oh. We started dating. With brain chemistry, which... <laughs> no, but it's just, I just, I don't, I just don't get the need, the need to do it continuously, you know? No, definitely not. I just, I, I get the idea of like being proud of, of like having a relationship or being proud that you've just had a baby or something like, I get that. That's really cool. Awesome. But like when you, again, the, the quantity thing and the consistency of it, I just, I don't get that. But anyway, end end of rant. I apologise. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a tangent, wasn't it? Yeah. Let's get back to you. <laughs> You've posted a lot of festival vlogs. You've been to a lot of cool festivals, like Download Festival, for instance. Uh, I, I'm an avid fan of festivals. I've been to Download and Sonosphere as well. Um, mm-hmm. When did you start going to festivals, and what do you like about them? Oh, God. Like I started going to festivals when I was... It must have been like 2010, so I must have been like Ooh. 17 or something like that. 
did you did you go to okay i'm gonna name a couple that i was at and tell me if you were there (laughs) so sonosphere 2011 no okay i never made it sonosphere sonosphere is good it's smaller it's basically just smaller than download but awesome I don't know. Um, download 2012. I did. Hey, I, did. I was at that one. That was a good one. That was a very good year. <laughs> uh, Sonosphere 2014. No. Download 2014. No. <laughs> download 2014 uh, was really good, actually. I was there for one day uh, to see Linkin Park. And okay. Yeah. They did hybrid theory, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> but anyway. Back to you, hey, yeah. So rest you, in peace, Chester. So say again? Rest in peace, Chester. Yeah, man, that fucking sucks. That I was mean, sad. I remember seeing a post, actually, about that, which kind of opened my eyes. It was like a series of pictures of, you know, famous people like Chester, like Robin Williams, and it said, like, you know, it was pictures of them smiling, and it said, this is what uh, depression looks like. Yeah. And it was a very good point. Because um, I'm the same. I, I, I don't, you know, I, I often always just post pictures of myself happy and shit and not many people know that i've had like suicidal thoughts and stuff i, I guess it's not i mean some people talk about being depressed but a lot of people don't a lot of people keep it in i guess it depends on the person really but um yeah uh that is true that's that is kind of how it looks I, I was really blown away by that one it was the same as when uh the lead singer of the prodigy died as well i mean both men are f- you know family men yeah. seemingly like everything in their life. I mean, you never know what someone's going through. You know what I mean? You, you, on the outside, you could look at them and be like, wow, they're rich. They've got everything they want. Like, how could they not be happy? But you never know. It could be anything. It just, you really don't know. But, it's one of those things. It's a, it's, it's a devastating thing, which affects a lot of men. And I, I know we should like speak out about it more. Mm. I know I'm I'm quite reserved on like speaking out about my feelings that kind of thing. Mm, it's not easy to, um, particularly because on online people attack you. Uh, I think it is getting easier now. More and more people are speaking about it, but I, I'm definitely not comfortable when I talk about it. I I try to look at it like okay, maybe this is like a service of some description, like maybe people will listen to this, hear this, and it might be useful to them. So I try to look at it through that scope. But if I think about it too much, it, it kind of bothers me. I'm like, oh, you know, who the fuck cares? Like, maybe this is just, like, annoying. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, we should probably, like, say it. Like, if there's anyone out there that's struggling with anything, like, I've, I've probably known you. You're probably the same. Like, our messages are always open to you guys. Yeah. I, uh, funnily enough, I did a video recently about this. Um, shout out to LSH, Leighton Harvey. Uh, we did a video together uh, about mental health awareness uh, on this subject. And um, yeah, you know, I mean, I think I think the important thing is is to a you know obviously know that other people are going through it because that's a big thing when you're yeah. when you're dealing with it. It feels like it's just you, and like you just feel like no one understands. Uh, which sound like this is the thing I remember when I was growing up as a teenager and I had bouts of it and uh, you know parents or friends around me would be like oh stop being a worse like what what the fuck's wrong with you and back then I didn't realize that it was depression and social anxiety yeah. I just thought it was I don't know uh, 
that I was pathetic or something. I don't know. <laughs> so like, uh, yeah, it's just different, different times, you know, growing up. Um, but now I look back and I'm like, ah, okay. <laughs> it's a lot more accepted now than yeah. sort of 10, 20 years ago or whatever. Well, I think part of it as well is, is growing up and understanding your feelings as well. Like understanding, like being an adult, I think when you're an adult, you realize like most people just don't give a flying fuck about anything. Yeah. You can just be who you are, like what you like. Okay. Like music is a good example. Like when I was growing up, like I used to get actual hate for like in rock and metal music. Whereas now, I mean, more often than not, most people just listen to anything. That's a big thing. Yeah. You know definitely. I mean? And yeah. And secondly, like, I don't know. It's like, people just don't care. You know, sometimes people do, people would be like, Oh, how can you listen to that? But, I, I haven't really heard that. It's been a many, many years since I heard someone react in that way, you know? So, I don't know. It's weird. I, I think the world's definitely become a lot, much more accepting place. Mm. Especially, like, sort of in the last 10 years or so. I think I think there's truth to that, yeah, with, with certain things. I think we're still very much in a kind of... Oh, how to put it? I mean, we're always building. We're always trying to grow. But I think, I think, I think we're still in a very. It's like we're trying to construct something, you know. But we're not. We're not quite there yet. <laughs> we're figuring it out. Figuring out, like, okay, this is how we need to try and be with each other. Yeah. But we're just not quite there yet. I mean, stuff like cancel culture is an, is an example. It's like the idea of of not supporting hate and 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 being against people that are hateful is a good concept. But the way it's executed and uh, the attitude in it... Like, here's a really good example, yeah? I saw one time someone had fucked up, some celebrity, and people were talking about cancelling them. And one of the comments I saw literally said, like, "Oh, who are we cancelling now? Like, you know, like, excitedly kind of thing. Yeah, insane, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I was kind of like, that That right there is the problem. Like, people aren't, like not taking it seriously because I don't think that's the right way to put it, but like they're kind of looking at it like it's a game, like it's fun. And and what you have to remember is you're talking about people's livelihoods, um, their careers and shit. You know what I mean? Like it's one, if you want to cancel someone like uh, say Shane Dawson, right? Um, hmm. Fine. But like, you have to think about everything in context. Like if you're saying, okay, we don't want to support like a pedophile, fuck him. Right. That's one yeah. thing. And that's understandable. But let's say he didn't do it. Let's say he just said some like shitty stuff to someone, right? Which everyone's done. <laughs> um, yeah. Is it really fair to cancel someone's complete livelihood and and fuck up their career based on some stupid shit that they said? Especially if it, they said it years ago as well. And that's the um, dangerous situation we live in. There's like a lot of people throw false accusations around, right? Yeah. And then that person will get cancelled mm. and like they'll get torn to pieces lose everything and then it kind of reminds, I don't know. It kind of reminds oh, me of that saying um, yeah. there's no smoke without fire I remember that saying mm. That's something, I think I heard my nan say that one time uh, <laughs> it was around the time that the whole Jimmy Savile thing came out and, and there was a lot of people being accused of um, paedophilia right and most mm. of it was founded, you know, and they were put in prison and stuff. And, and I don't want to say it was successful, but it was like, you know, like those people were exposed and something was done about it. And it's continuing. 
but there were people that were seemingly falsely accused and it's always put a question mark over it. Like one of them, um, for international viewers, you won't know what we're talking about, but you'll know. Uh, so Coronation Street, there were the TV show, um, TV yeah. serial, there was a character or is a character, uh, what's his name? Old guy. <laughs> oh, fuck, I don't know his name. Ken Barlow, there you go. Jesus. Yeah. yeah uh, he's like one of the mainstays. He's been in it since it began. I think it began in like the 50s or the 60s, that TV show or something. It's like one of the longest running TV soap operas in the UK, at least. But anyway, he was accused and he you know, denied it. Um, and there was a big question mark over him for a while. And he was sort of temporarily suspended. And then uh, I guess he was proved innocent or, you know, nothing came of it. And he went back, he went back to work in fairness. And, he, and I don't really hear anyone talk about it, but it's one of those things. Occasionally you might hear people say like, oh, yeah, well, there's no smoke without fire. And like, that's kind of the danger of it, isn't it? Even just being accused now of something uh, just sets a certain amount of uh, people against you. So it really makes... Um, it's dangerous if you just throw accusations around is, is, is kind of the point I'm trying to make yeah I definitely agree with that it's like those kind of things sort of stay there forever right yeah exactly it's, it's not a thing that can be just like washed away even though it's not true like people always associate that right yeah it's, 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 it's a tricky one to steer around um, I guess you just have to keep trucking on really what can, what can you do mm. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, bringing it back to the festivals stuff. Um, what what do you like about festivals? What do I like about festivals? It's it's sort of a sense of community where you go into a big, massive field and you're surrounded by people who like the same things as you, and um, you just have like some crazy experiences at festivals. <laughs> I know what you mean about the community thing. I remember one of the first. I, th- I think it might have actually been the first festival I ever went to. I was dating this girl, and uh, I suppose it was pretty early on in our relationship, probably like six months in. So we're all like cutesy, honeymoony, and you know, like we're just clueless. I think we're like eighteen at the time, so we just don't know what the fuck we're doing. And uh, we set up the tent, but I guess not very well. It like fell over, and we come back, and um, basically, I think it was either it was in the midst of of falling down someone was fixing it or it had just been fixed one of the two but we walked over and this guy came over to us who was opposite from us he's like some 40 year old bloke so i'm like yeah. quite quite nervous at this point right and he just turns around and he goes oh you're right pal like yeah the uh, wind sort of blew your fucking tent over and stuff so we just pitched it with with these and stuff and like you're good to go and i was like oh wow thank you so much and um yeah, I just wasn't expecting that kind of uh, friendly approach. Yeah. So that sense of community is, uh, I agree with you, it's a big thing in, in festivals. Everyone, for the most part, looks out for each other, I'd say. Yeah. I think it does like vary between different festivals, though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, go on. Uh, one that I've been going to for years, it's called Bloodstock Festival. I'd love to go to that one. That's one Which, I haven't It should be on this weekend, but oh, that's I'll, depressing. I'll be there at the moment unfortunately I've, I've sort of done like 10 years of that one yeah and it's like everyone's there is just like this one big metal family that's the it's thing like, with metal fans as well i i don't often find 
like asshole metal fans. It's not really no. a thing. Oh, you do get people like that now and again, but yeah, I think I think okay. This one, this is going to make me sound a bit elitist, but it's just the truth. The reality of most metal music is is that it's quite intelligent music. You know, you look at the lyrics; it deals with quite intelligent themes. You know, politics, uh, emotions, um, society at large, all sorts of stuff. And uh, you know, even even like angsty bands like Slipknot back in the day were still kind of relating to people on a deeper level. And uh, for that reason, like whenever I'd meet other metal fans, I just kind of instantly bonded with them wherever I was because it's just you know how people are. They're friendly, want to connect. They're used to getting shit from people, so I guess there's that as well. You don't want to give shit to people that are like you. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, there just seems to be that sense of community wherever you go, and and the festival, I guess, is like the best place for that, isn't it? Because it's like one whole massive, large gathering of everyone in one place. Yeah, definitely, all the festivals and gigs. That's something I know the sort of rock and metal community are missing a lot at the moment. Yeah, that used to be like I don't know, like our equivalent of going to a football match or something. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. Um... There is a special feeling about festivals. I feel like whenever you go, it's always that same feeling as well. You know, yeah. and, and there's all these kind of also like strange things that like strange rules that somehow apply that don't normally apply otherwise. So like you can wake up at a festival at like 10 a.m., 9 a.m. and it's perfectly acceptable. Just crack open a beer straight away. That's, you know. Just, yeah, the random warm one which has been outside all night oh yeah oh do you know i remember i think it was sonis for 2014 it was really hot which normally at these festivals it's like pissing it down with rain or something yeah. especially download festivals download every year <laughs> man i remember 2012 it was like so windy and rainy and we were lucky where we were um we we escaped that but we had to go through so much fucking mud it was nuts and there was people's tents that were literally like floating on the mud and i was like fuck man that person's screwed like <laughs> that 2012 download was horrendous yeah it, i remember getting i didn't even know this was the thing until then but like you can get a thing where the, if the wind is too strong mm. you can get almost like wind burns instead of sunburn like wind burn <laughs> Because we got that because it was like it had done that and then I think it was on the second day during the day it was really sunny. So tons of fucking rain and then sun and then it was just all of this stuff at once. So we just looked like shit, but I don't know. It was fine. It's all part of the charm of the festival, so isn't it? Yeah, you slog for it, you get for it. Um, and ev- yeah, like you said, everyone kind of looks after each other. But yeah, that's cool. Um well, taking it to the negative, what things do you dislike about festivals? <laughs> <laughs> the days after the festival, oh, like that, oh, yeah. the Monday morning when you're trying to like pack up all your tents and stuff, and you're just on like a four day hangover, and you're just like, <laughs> it's a really weird day, isn't it? Because you wake yeah. up like you either you got two choices: you either wake up really early with the idea of like, oh, let's get out before everyone else does. But everyone has the same fucking idea. So it's like, <laughs> um, and the reality is you probably went to bed at like 5am, 6am. Yeah. So you've only got a couple of hours sleep or you can go later, which I don't know. It's a bit weird. I don't know. I've never seen anyone. Re- there are some people that do that. I guess they're just like sleeping from a hangover, but 
It's just weird. Say, say again. Then you're in the peak of the heat. Yeah, it's just a, it's a weird no. day. It's a really weird day. It's just one big long hangover, and then you get home and sleep for like two days. <laughs> one thing we've done like over the years to get over that, we all sort of go back to one person's house and just sort of just chill out for a couple of days. I think that's a solid idea. Either that or go to a hotel, one of the two. Mm. But, yeah. It's like when you go directly home and you're just there, just like on your own, barely alive. Oh, I never thought about that, actually. That's a solid idea. If, if, if I ever go, well, I'm sure I'll go festivals in the future, but yeah, I'm going to do that. That's a solid idea. <laughs> I'll watch some cartoons, play video games or whatever. I just... You just That's need, the state of out. It's just melted. <laughs> you just need time to rest and also detox as well. I find I don't drink for a long time after festivals. Like, <laughs> if I see even so much as a tiny beer can or smell something, I instantly get like PTSD style mm. gagging. <laughs> get flashbacks to random memories. Of it's like, oh no, no, please God, no. <laughs> Actually, in more recent years, I've seen some really cool things that I didn't see before. Like, I remember at the 2014 Sonosphere, I saw, uh, or download, I think it was, I can't remember which, there was like eco-lose. Eco so like, you pay a bit more, uh, or you pay, and instead of going to a port you go to like an actual fucking toilet. Um, obviously, it was ecological, so it is pretty much just a hole in the ground, but it's like a proper like stool and like a curtain and, and like, you know, you've got privacy and stuff. And a yeah. seat and somewhere to sit. <laughs> Probably more comfortable than like walking into that third day portaloo. Mm. And you get that hit by that smell, which just literally burns your face off. I've got a tip actually for, for everyone listening who hasn't been to festivals. Make sure if you're going to do, uh, I'll just be crude. If you're going to take a shit, do it at the beginning of the day. Don't do it at the end of a day because you don't want to go into a toilet after the end of a day <laughs> at a festival <laughs> it will be the way like i remember i've never told this story before but this is um i'll try not to put it graphically but it's pretty intense so i had to go for a number two or a shit uh like f- let's say four or five p.m on some random second day or something right and by the second day it's it's pretty brutal in there and there's people queuing endlessly to go in there and it's just I mean, you, you have to just get over the smell. Like, you just got to come to terms with that. But the the standards, shall we say... Like, I, I think it's good to bring, like, lots of, and you know, antibacterial gel with you. Maybe some toilet roll if you, if you have it. I don't know. Something. Have a little bag with you with some stuff. That's my advice. But um, I had to basically... Because someone had just uh painted pretty much this um this toilet and i really desperately needed to go and like you know the queues everywhere and i'd ha- i've been already been queuing for like 45 minutes so i basically like kind of did an indian style squat over this toilet and <laughs> it was the first time i'd ever done this in my life and i was able to aim pretty successfully and there was even toilet roll which i was kind of surprised by because i hadn't thought about that <laughs> uh, which I know sounds stupid, but you know when you desperately need to go, you got to go. You don't think about like, oh, what, what am I going to wipe my ass with? Um, and it was all it was all fine and successful. And I walked out and I was thinking like, wow, I really don't ever want to do that ever again. 
<laughs> but I think that's the most relatable thing I've ever heard about a festival. <laughs> I mean, it's, I think you just gotta you gotta take an L on the hygiene when it comes to festivals. You gotta accept that you're not gonna have a proper clean time. You know, you, I mean, showering, for instance. I mean, there isn't showers unless you go like for the VIP shit. So, like, it, let's say you're just doing standard camping. You've got those things that look like urinals. Uh, that's the only way I could put it, really. I mean, yeah, you you can fill water up there, and then they've got these, well, yeah, urinal style things where you can kind of shower. I guess um, I probably have been in showery type areas at festivals, but I can't even really remember. I just remember those weird fucking things, and I think a lot of the time we would rely on like baby wipes and stuff, and you know, just accept that we're not gonna have a proper shower until the final day. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, man. Anyway. <laughs> the wet wipe shower is definitely a thing I've had many times over the years. <laughs> do, do you have any, like, hor- horrific stories from festivals? Any Anything that was just, like, unbelievable that you just couldn't get over? Oh. <clears throat> some, some toilets I've seen. It, it always comes back to the toilets. Like. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> always be that random person who will literally paint the walls with without without going into too much detail the walls are brown how that's what i wonder there's there's a line between what's mud and what's not and you open the door and you see it and the smell hits you oh yeah Uh, oh god it just makes me wonder that just people just go in there and just wipe their ass on the wall like what the fuck? <laughs> no one like brings them to that point in their mind, and they're like, "Right, I'm gonna do this." Drugs. Like, what kind of cocktail of what they've like put in their body? It's got to be drugs. It's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's bring it to a more positive place. What's your kind of favorite festival moment of all time? Oh God, favorite festival moment of all time. There's been some incredible memories at Bloodstock. Like over the years, like seeing the same friends over and over again. Like where where we all like live different parts of the country. Mm. It it was sort of a stage where no one ever saw each other throughout the year because we just all lived like sort of dotted every corner of the country. Right. And it's like that moment of coming back together and seeing each other for the first time after a year apart. And then suddenly you're back into this weird world of festival mm. where nothing really makes sense. This it's wonderful. This I know what you mean. It's such a short time because it's like three or four days, sometimes more if you decide to do that. Yeah. And uh, oh yeah, that's that's a thing as well. Just on a side note, there's like, let's say you go download, you can actually turn up. Like the festival is like from Friday to Sunday, but you can turn up on like a Wednesday. And it will be open for like two days. And you can basically just go on the fairground rides, drink, go to silent discos and stuff uh, for two days straight. Um, so it's basically just one giant piss up for two days. <laughs> and like, we're we, doing it that way. it's weird, isn't it? Like, I did it once, uh, but only one day. I think we came on like a Thursday and we, we did that. Um, but I remember just getting so unbelievably shit faced. 
and then waking up on the Friday with a hangover and having to go to like on a hangover to watch the bands and it was like I knew I had to see them because it was like yeah I paid all this money it's a big opportunity but I just felt so fucking shit um <laughs> and it start over again oh so bad yeah and like yeah because hair of the dog helps but I think when it's that bad plus the weather is is you know killing you in terms of like the sun you got to have like sugar lots of sugar that helps sprite drink sprite everyone <laughs> But like, is there any particular bands that you saw that blew you away, or like, what are your favourite musicians and, and stuff? Oh my god, um, I've got to say, was it last year at Download when Tool headlined? Ooh, yeah. That was such a surreal experience. Like, they came on stage and it it was it was oh my god, like, I don't know how to describe it. It was like we were shifted into a different dimension. Like, cool. You just felt the music. I know and it was, it was a feeling like I've never felt that feeling before at a gig. Like it, it was one of those, you know, how people talk about gigs from like 20, 30 years ago or whatever. Yeah. It felt like one of those gigs that we'll talk about in 20 years' time. I have to agree yeah. with you. I do yeah. feel because I've been to a lot of gigs, I've seen a lot of bands at festivals and just gigs in general. And I could probably name on my hand like a handful that made me feel the way that you're talking like where it's surreal i think like one of them was seeing motorhead play that was pretty surreal mm. um because they, they are like you know legendary yeah. uh, it's like almost couldn't really believe what was happening um and it was also really kind of poignant as well because like that was 2012 again and um apparently like the day before someone really close to Lemmy had died. I think it was like a former guitarist. And like, yeah. when, obviously when one of your friends die, like the last thing you want to do is be working. Do you know what I mean? And obviously I know music is obviously like, was, you know, his life and, and like more than a job, obviously. But um, do you know what I mean? You normally want to take some time for yourself during a time like that. And he obviously dedicated the show to, to his fallen friend and stuff. But it just made yeah. it that much more special and like, was kind of incredible in that sense as well but um yeah some bands go all out i've seen metallica quite a few times and they've really put on like a spectacle they always put on a good show yeah yeah i mean i think that's the difference like, isn't it some bands put on like a performance as well as a show and some bands just come out and just play the music <laughs> yes it's like with a say a band like ghost mm, they, yeah. they've got that whole stage show i know they get a lot of hate from the metal community for not being it. They're called metal. I don't get the hate. They're so good. I just don't understand the mm. hate. <laughs> like it, it's one of the elitist things on us. Yeah, but it's it's just nuts. I mean, it, it's like, good music at the end of the day. Listen, I understand. Okay, like back in the day, you remember? Like I think it was like two thousand and four, two thousand and five. They did a stupid thing. This was the Booker's problem. So whoever booked this download festival, Monsters of Rock, whoever it was, you're a fucking idiot. Um, it, they booked like. Slayer before My Chemical Romance and famously My Chemical Romance yeah. got bottled the shit out of and um, yeah. they didn't deserve it you know it was really horrible and mean but this is what happens when you know you mix certain crowds and stuff like at the time people just didn't want to see that band and it, it's happened in more recent years um, there was a band called oh what was the Black Veil Brides I think they were called oh, yeah. similar thing they were a metal band. They're actually very good live, actually. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, similar thing, and they got pelted with stuff, and it's never nice to see. It's really disrespectful, but it does come to how how you how you book things and how you structure a, a card. Like you can't mix certain bands because the fans are different. Like you know, they'll just destroy you. <laughs> you know, it's like especially Slayer and My Chemical Romance. That's like opposite ends of the spectrum of sort of rock and metal music it really is yeah i mean like i've I've played gigs myself where they just didn't book it properly like i i, I always famously tell this story of like i was playing a, a pub show and it was the only time i'd ever played a pub i made an exception because it was like an all-day thing yeah it's sort of like a festival but it wasn't uh but uh, you know it was an opportunity to play and we were a metal band and uh, quite a heavy metal band as well like screaming and all this stuff and okay. um the band, band artist before us was a guy playing like a jazz fusion for like 30 minutes at a, at a time, <laughs> right? So it really wasn't the right kind of vibe. And you had a lot of people in there. Like there were some people our age, but mostly it was like adults, you know, and we were like teens. So not really the kind of, they weren't expecting this. We came on and I saw the look of horror in their faces when I was just screaming oh, really? and just scaring everyone. And I loved it. But <laughs> they they were just terrified, and then we came off, and then the band that came on were like a pop band. So, oh what? Wow. Yeah, it was just bizarre. I was like, who booked this shit? <laughs> but you know, that's what happens, man. You do get that like a lot with the metal, no, not the metal industry, the music industry. Like mm. you, you do get strange bands just appear randomly on bills. I mean, it kind of works sometimes, but it it depends on the on the music, you know. Like, mm. I remember one year they they booked uh, Lethal Bizzle, this grime artist, on yeah. on a metal festival. I think it was possibly Download or Sonosphere, something like that. Um, and everyone was like, "What the fuck? Why would they do this?" And he just came out and was really professional and just fucking killed it. And it was awesome, and everyone loved it. <laughs> and I think it's because he he didn't like pretend to be anything. He just came out and he just played a good show, and everyone dug it. And the thing is, like a lot of metal fans and rock fans are fans of hip hop as well. Like there's a lot of crossover. Yeah. There's obviously been collaborations. You know, famously like Rum DMC and Aerosmith, or I think again Run DMC and Anthrax. Um, so so it's, it's not like there's like, in that Park album as well. Of course, yeah, that was excellent. But the thing with Linkin Park though was that they were always kind of experimenting with hip hop anyway, so yeah. it wasn't like too much of a stretch. Whereas like here in Run DMC and Anthrax, I mean Anthrax was like a full on thrash metal band, and Run DMC is like this eighties kind of. Oh no, it wasn't. What am I talking about? Run DMC. It was uh, Public Public Enemy. My bad. Sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Public Enemy and Anthrax. Yeah. But it, it kind of works. It has the same kind of intensity, I suppose, and that's why many metal fans tend to like hip hop when, it, especially when it's more heavy, intense stuff. But uh, it's risky. I mean, it can go either way, really, can't it? You know, I think with that Lethal Bizzle one, um, his tunes at the time were, were quite experimental, quite hard, so it kind of worked. I don't know. It's, it's luck of the draw. While we're on that topic. Um, I, I know a band which is just starting out now. They're called Fear No Empire. Okay. So it's um, do you know Death by Stereo? I don't think I've heard of them. 
Uh, so Death by Stereo, like, I don't know how to describe them. Um, them and a couple of members from Zebrahead. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, um, it's like the guy who raps in Zebrahead and then the guitarist from both bands and the bassist from Zebrahead and the drummer from Death by Stereo have made a new band called Finno Empire. Cool. They're just about to release a new single. So, like, their first single is coming out in a couple of days, I think. Oh, mad. Okay. And, like, they're going to be a band to watch 100%. I think it's got that same sort of vibe as, like, Rage Against the Machine. Oh, really? Like, oh, wow. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. Supergroups are so hit and miss, really, aren't they? Sometimes they work really well. Like, them Crooked Vultures, for instance, was excellent. But then other times it's like. I don't know. Okay, like, what was that one? Um, is it Prophets of something? Prophets of Rage? Prophets of Rage. Yeah, it's yeah. basically just Rage Against the Machine, but with a different singer, <laughs> which is fine. I love that. But um, yeah. it's like, I guess with supergroups, you want to kind of hear something different. That's why, like, Audio Slave worked so well, because it was yeah. essentially just a new band, like, completely something different. And uh, it felt like big and and like you know, and like I don't know, I I I, th- I like it more when they they really go for it and they make a proper band out of it. Like they don't just do it for, as a publicity stunt. Like um, I think mm. the, the best example I can think of is oh fuck, what are they called? They played with Avenged Sevenfold one time. Can't remember the name of the band, but it has the singer from Mudvayne in it. And oh. The drummer from Pantera. Um, fuck, I'm, that's going to drive me crazy. Now. Say again? I can picture them, but the yeah, name. Yeah, you know the band I'm on about. Well, anyway, that yeah. band, uh, fuck's sake, <laughs> they're like three, four albums deep. I mean, I don't think they play anymore because obviously uh, the, the, drummer, the drummer passed away, unfortunately. Um, Vinnie Paul. But... Um, they they were like four or five albums in, and they were doing um, re- really well, and they would they were just coming together, and it, it worked. It was you know proper go of it, and I think that's always important with uh, with supergroups. So um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I think everyone should go check out that that band. Sounds promising. <laughs> it will be very good. Like they, I think they posted a snippet of they're releasing the first single and. I just checked it. It's August 19th. While we're talking about Never, like, super groupy type things, have you heard the uh, the trap by Machine Gun Kelly and um, Blink-182, or the drummer, Travis Barker? Yeah. What did you think of that? I, d- I didn't think it was too bad. Like mm. I think Machine Gun Kelly gets a lot of hate for what he does. I, I was blown away. To me, it was just like listening to pop punk from the early 2000s. I was just trying... It was like take me back man this is fucking yeah. awesome it's <laughs> fair play he just went for it it's, it's a bit like when you hear post malone singing rock songs like when he did the nirvana sh- live stream it just it was just tight that's sick <laughs> he had, um a rock background though didn't he post malone yeah he he's, uh he, he's got man. a funny story because he was a metalcore guitarist if i'm not mistaken and mm. he famously auditioned for a band and was rejected like they were like now nah, you're not good enough and then he, now he's like one of the biggest rappers in the world so <laughs> go figure <laughs> um 
such a random story, isn't it? It happens to so many people. Do you know, I was randomly... Um, check this out. This is different. This is about acting. But I was looking up, you know, Robert Pattinson, the actor. Yeah, guy and from Twilight. Yeah, yeah. So before he did Twilight, he was in a movie um, with... It was either a non-speaking role or very few lines. But he basically went to the premiere and his agent or whoever didn't tell him that his stuff had been cut from the movie. So oh, he, really? Yeah, so he went to the premiere and he wasn't in it. And I was like, oh, oh my God. Fuck. <laughs> I felt so bad for him. And then apparently like his agent felt so bad that they, they pushed really hard and got him that role in Harry Potter when he was Cedric Diggory. So... I guess it worked out in the end, <laughs> but imagine that, man. I, I think that's how it's supposed to be, man. You're supposed to go through shit in life, and then when you become successful, you can just laugh at all the shit that went wrong. <laughs> it's all about process along the way. Absolutely. Well, it gives you interesting stuff to say, doesn't it? You know, like people sometimes say I'm a good storyteller, and I didn't believe that for a long time because a I can't take compliments very well. I just I just cringe. And B, I, I just thought I was just like talking, like in you know, it, like what how people normally do. But I think there is a lot to be said for how you communicate a story and, and sort of putting a positive spin on things as well. Um, trying to see the humour in 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 your most embarrassing times or most challenging times. But yeah. So it's how um, you learn from it in the end. Say that again. It's how you learn from it in the end and how it shapes you as a person, I guess. Absolutely. And talking about things that uh, shape you, uh, you made a video about life with ADHD. So talk to us a little bit more about, you know, living with ADHD, how you tackle it, and the impact it's sort of had on your life and sort of the age you were diagnosed with it. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so I was diagnosed when I was five years old. Oh, wow, very young. Which is many moons ago <laughs> and I'm, I'm not gonna lie like life life was pretty hellish because of me it's tricky isn't it because uh how, how old are you now are you, if I'm, I'm 27. 27 yeah always same age as me yeah so in the 90s um it was different back so like okay this is t totally different but let's just say like if you were dyslexic for example it wasn't taken seriously or in the same way and I remember like kids that had ADHD or, or looked like they had ADHD in the nineties. Uh, yeah. it's, it's not to say that like it wasn't taken fully seriously, but I don't think it was kind of taken in the same way it is now. And certainly the scientific um, understanding was not there just yet. But um, yeah, so it was. Um, what so? What age would I have been? So five. That's like just before two thousand. God, that seems so long ago now. <laughs> <laughs> I know how you feel, man. It was at a time where there wasn't really much known about it. Mm -hmm. So, like, none of the teachers really knew how to handle it or or what was wrong with me. A lot of teachers thought I was just, like, lazy. Now, that's interesting, lazy. So it wasn't so much about... Um, because, okay, when I watched that video, one of the things you, you were trying to get across is this kind of difficulty of uh, uh, paying attention to things. Um, you know, like your attention diverts to things. So, like, you gave an example of, like, you were doing something and then your attention went to some, like, sound that happened outside the window and you were sort of saying, like, you know, this is a regular occurrence. And obviously, as a kid, 
that happens all the time it's you know it's inevitable so um yeah. is that more because i uh, like i have a brother who has um I think it's either ADHD or a variant of it. And he's just got like a lot of energy. And I've always said that like right now, yeah, maybe it's problematic for, for like his people that are having to deal with him. But when he gets older, it'll be better and he can channel it into something. And he already does. He does things like ice skating and dancing and stuff. And he's like really, really good at it. And he's um, able to focus himself. But um, it's still a challenge. And I think understanding and empathy of, of the people around you is, is really key in being able to master it and get through it. But um, so, so, so what, well, like it wasn't so much a question of like energy then it was more maybe. It, not being... it was like, and because I was at that age where I didn't really know how to channel it properly, it probably came out more anger side of things than, than like productivity. Did you not have like a sort of a assistant that would like maybe help you with things or anything like that? No, no. Yeah, it was like I I pretty much got excluded from school every year through primary school. Really? For a couple of days, I was kicked out of school for for getting in trouble with the teachers, that kind of thing. It it was it was like a very volatile situation where no one really understood what I had or how to get the best out of me. So when you got older, like how, how did it kind of improve or, or how did you ma- sort of come to a point where you were able to manage it? So when I was in like year five, which is, I, I don't know what the equivalent would be for overseas. Oh so, God, no idea. <laughs> second grade, first grade, some shit like that. The one, the one where you do like exams before going oh, off to high school. What am I talking about? First grade? No. Yeah. Okay. What? Yeah. <laughs> one of the early grades. <laughs> yeah. When you're young, like sort of ten years old. Yeah. That that's the best way to describe it, isn't yeah, it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was, I was told I'm not going to get into secondary school. What? No, I wouldn't get grades. Okay. Okay. Back up a second. So was this like you did the exams and then you were told this? Is that right? No, this was year five, and then you're going to, like, year six, where you have your SATs exams. Right, so instead of reinforcing you and being like, hey, if you work hard, we'll work hard with you, we'll help you get there, they were just, like, writing you off kind of thing. Like, nah, you just got yeah, to pretty much written off from that point in my life. It's <sighs> yeah, a like... problem with bad teachers, isn't it? <laughs> and I was pretty much told I wasn't going to get into secondary school, I wouldn't pass any of my exams, that kind of thing. And like, I I probably owe a lot of it to like having a good supportive family around me. Mm, mm-hmm. Especially like my mum, she's incredible. Um, having that support around me, I ended up getting, I don't know if you remember like grades that kind of far back. I got a, a five, five and a four. It's good. For, like yeah. it English, maths and whatever the other one was, science, I guess. Yeah. So I, I ended up getting one of the better grades in the class. Like five is a a very solid grade, pretty much. Like a, yeah, I can't remember exactly. Is it like a B equivalent or something like that, isn't it? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I think I I think it was like <coughs> it generally went up to six, and then yeah. in some exceptional cases, someone got like a seven. Because I remember getting like a series. I think I got like 
a couple of sixes, a couple of fives, some shit like that. I don't, I don't really recall. Um, yeah. But it, but like, there were people that got higher than that, and I felt a bit crap about that. But then I realised it didn't matter when you got into high school. Like it, it just <laughs> it really doesn't matter. <laughs> but um, it matters at the time. Yeah. And then once once we get into secondary school, it was sort of a similar similar situation where it was like I wasn't going to get any GCSEs or anything like that. <laughs> it was the same like been put down by teachers and written off. Did did you get the GCSEs in the end? Did it work out? I did. I think I got like nine A star C's. Mm, mm. For like my notable notable ones, I got two A's in art. Hey. Which like it's been there from a young young age where I've got this like creative streak running through me. Were they and like, always were they like, that like ability. Were they like, oh this kid's a prodigy man? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think art was the only one who really sort of supported me because they knew I had the ability. I think and that's, that's probably key. why I dealt with that. That's key really, isn't it? Like when you when you you do your best when when you've got people that push you. Like I, I with the yeah. failures that I had at GCSE level, there was four subjects that I didn't. I, I got so I got like uh, eight or nine uh, A star to C, and the rest were like D's. It's like four D's or something, mm. and they were in German, uh, biology, um, maths, and then some other shit I don't remember but um, basically the point being that the teachers in all of those except for my biology teacher that was just a freak like I always did really well in biology I don't know what happened there but the, but she was a good teacher but the rest of them like my maths teachers were fucking useless I remember my yeah. maths teacher just sitting there going on and on about her like failed relationship or some shit it's weird really? yeah and like it was the sort of thing where um they would get angry if you ask questions. And given that I didn't understand maths, I would ask questions all the time. And then I stopped asking questions once I realized that the teachers would get angry. Uh, <laughs> so I just kept failing that. Um, and then German, I famously said to the teacher, like, famously, I, I one time I said to this teacher, like, basically he'd split the class up into people on the left-hand side that were going to get A stars and stuff, people in the middle that were like, B, C's, and then everyone to the right that's probably going to fail. And we kind yeah. of all clocked that we were like the failure lot because we looked at each other and we were all like, well, who, who, what, what predicted grades are we all on? And everyone understood. And they're like, oh, great. So they're just signaling, signaling us out. And then we realized it was really fucked up, man. And like we said to the teacher, look, like we got a chance of potentially, you know, getting the C. Um, aren't you going to work with us? Why are you spending all the time on the A star students when they're like, surefire to get it whereas with us like it's not surefire but like if you push us we'll be able to get there and the yeah. teacher would just literally just turn around and said like oh well you know you don't care you messed around so you know you just lose out and i was like screw you man like <laughs> bad teacher and i still to this day i won't name you but my gcse german teacher you suck <laughs> <laughs> Because there were subjects like business and, and English where I had really inspiring teachers who uh, pushed me and uh, motivated me and made me believe in myself. And that's like really the important thing is is you have people around you because it's so much more than just excelling in the subject. It's having people that will push you and, and give you like self-esteem, which is something you 
don't have a lot of when you're a teenager. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely like that inspiration side of things as well. Like mm. if you've got someone teaching you, he's not really stimulating to you. Yeah. I know I with that a lot when I was in school. I just, I wasn't like mentally stimulated. So I wasn't that interested in being in class kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it comes it comes down to that and it, the way that they treat you. Like, I remember when I started business, I was in year nine, so I was probably 13, 14. And um, I was failing, I was doing badly. And one of the particular, shout out to Miss Zanelli, <laughs> she <laughs> approached me and she was like, okay, you're not doing well. What do you want? And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, well if you could get like any grades right now or like what, what would you want to do? And I was like, well, and I sort of jokingly said like, I want to get the top grades, like highest marks possible. And she laughed and she was like, okay. Like, she, but then she went serious. And she was like, okay, well, this is what you're going to need to do that. And I was just kind of taken back by that. I was like, oh, okay. And then I just worked my fucking ass off from that point. And I was able to get the highest grades possible that it was on the course for that and A-levels as well. And we did Say again. It's weird how that works. Like when everyone's at that impressionable age, where the all it all it takes is a bit of work, motivation, and a push. And yeah, I mean, I think people underestimate how important it is for someone to turn around to you and just tell you, like, "Hey, you're good at this. You can do this. Like, I believe in you." You know, it might sound cringy, but you need to hear that. You know, like mm. I, I remember seeing like disruptive kids who were predicted to get like E's and shit, who got like, you know, B's and stuff in, in their exams because they had people around them that pushed them and said like, hey, you know, you can do this. And that's the thing, like, even if you are faced with like challenges in life, you know, like a poor home life or disabilities or, or you know, just whatever, like there, there's always a way to overcome it. And everyone has different areas that they're talented in. Which is why I think school is kind of a flawed concept in general, because it doesn't always foster everyone's talent in the right ways. You know, it kind of punishes people. Like I, I think that you should have a basic understanding in areas like English and maths. But if it's understood that, like from a young age, you know, you're going to be an arts person, then push them really in that sense and just help them just get the what they need in the other areas. You know. Yeah, definitely agree with that. It's, well, it, it's weird weird place school <laughs> it really is it is when you think about it as well just in retrospect you spend years and years with all these people growing up and then you never fucking talk to them again <laughs> i remember half the people in school with to be honest yeah like i have them on facebook some of them i talk to once in a blue blue moon but ultimately i never talk to them and it's just like this is mad we literally spent every single day of our lives for like five or six years together what the fuck <laughs> I suppose they're all going like, down different paths and that though, don't they? they? Yeah, no, that's the beauty like, of life, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's funny, like, how many of the people I knew from school, like, just stayed in their hometown, never did anything, never went anywhere, never achieved anything. And then other people that, like, explored, tried different things, took risks, you know what I mean? Like, and their attitude as well. Like, it's one thing if, if you're happy, if you're f genuinely happy, then none of that shit matters but a lot of them are like complaining mm. and it's like well you gotta like take risks you gotta try different things in life you know that's what life is 
and uh, it's how you grow I think in many ways like I I attribute the person I am now to all the mistakes I've made and um, to go into different countries you know living abroad going to university and so I've got this mindset now where I'm just up for trying anything and just fucking just giving it my all because why not you know what I mean like there's no point being afraid and and worrying about like oh it might not work out because like what if it will work out <laughs> and mostly thought to doubt yourself and get stuck on nothingness if you, if you know what I mean like if you're worrying about the things that could happen then you'll be there in 20 30 years time wondering why you didn't do those things exactly <laughs> all right changing it up uh let's talk about your music now you've recently started dabbling with music production you've released a couple of videos on your channel of, of just kind of like instrumental style things that you've been doing and yeah. uh, as you've kind of said yourself it's it's very much like a, a new thing that you're just trying out and and you know you're trying to learn from so what are your goals with this and what are the challenges that you've encountered so far with it as well I don't know. I, I just sort of, I'd always been like thinking about it. Obviously, I listen to music pretty much all the time, every day. Um, and I, I've always been inspired in whatever creative aspect by music. So I thought I'd like, you know, get like a little MIDI keyboard and hey. just have a little dabble and see if I could create anything. And, um, yeah, well, what what kind of challenges or difficulties have you faced in the sort of learning process? I mean, like obviously going into a new program, you have to work your way around it and mm. and figure out where everything is. Yeah, it but, does take a bit of time, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's just one of those things. I thought I'd have a little play with, not like aiming to sort of go anywhere with it. Like in the, not like go anywhere with it. Um, I, I forgot my words. <laughs> <laughs> you basically but, um, you're trying to kind of like have a go with it, understand it, see where it could go, see what possibilities are there, and and just see where you can take it, kind of thing. Yeah, just sort of a little like side project to do as another like creative outlet. I know a lot of artists these days express their feelings through music and that kind of thing like when i was growing up i was quite into guitar and um i, pr I probably learned that for probably going on 10 years i think it was oh wow playing a long time then yeah so it was all sort of like through the school years and then i just like faded out of it when i went into gcses for some reason mm. I don't know why, like, I've got a guitar here, but... Yeah, I was going to say, do you think you play again? Maybe, like, incorporate that into the, the songwriting? Potentially, yeah. Like, if I could learn, like, my scales and all those kind of things again on the guitar. Yeah, that, I mean, that stuff is easy, do you know what I mean? I think it's more about, like, the desire to, to do so, do you know what I mean? Like, um, obviously, with this being a, a sort of thing that you're trying out just to see where it goes now it's it's i i think like more often than not it will come down to like you sort of saying like hmm i imagine having some guitar in this track and then there you are playing guitar again and you're like huh okay what if i try this chord and then hmm okay <laughs> like i i learn a lot um 
on guitar just from, from like listening to other songs and like learning other people's songs you know and, and, and mm. i sort of incorporate that into my own songwriting but um yeah i mean i think a lot of musicians that tend to write their own music often don't tend to learn other people's songs but some people do so i don't know it's everyone's varied in that sense but um yeah no i mean it certainly sounds like something that you've um it'd be interesting to see what you come up with basically uh, moving forward and it's, um it's trying to find, like right balance with that obviously like video making art and then work and everything going on well it's, it's another it's balance yeah i'm sure you'll find the time for it i mean it's it's like another avenue for you it's another way for you to creatively express yourself and and kind of show that hey hey guys here's another thing that i can do <laughs> so um but speaking of which um in terms of like projects that you have do you have any kind of upcoming projects or final thoughts that you'd like to share with us as we draw this podcast to a close yeah i've, I've got much content on youtube to come but i've got a very lot <laughs> tell, tell, tell I've probably <laughs> Two years of content, like pre-recorded. <laughs> two years? What do you mean? Like all my travel videos. I, I blocked the whole of my trip. <laughs> oh shit! Okay. But I never uploaded and edited it. I, I saw this weird stage where I like I record all my content, but then I never edit it. So it's like a stack yeah. of like endless videos. <laughs> it can be a pain in the ass, but I definitely think that your audience would want to see that. I mean, there's probably so many gems there that would really, especially now. Do you know what I mean? With us being locked away, it's it's a good kind of time to like show. Hey, look! This is what we're one day we'll be able to see again. <laughs> like it's, it's there's a world beyond our front living room. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Like, it's, it's the perfect time to release all the travel stuff. I, I think people, especially people who travel quite often, would be missing that kind of thing. Absolutely. Giving them that content now, even two, three years on, <laughs> it seems so weird that it's been that long already. But well, I'm sure that you know all of your fans will be really excited to see that, and uh, wherever else is, is. Is there any other styles of content that are coming out or? major things uh, that you're working on right now with with our bazaar as well that's going to be hopefully getting more more products in store Excellent. new designs coming soon that's fantastic news uh how, how soon do we reckon those will be out for uh, everyone listening the videos or oh both uh, yeah the videos and uh our bazaar's merch I, i've got a video obviously in progress on premiere at the moment Wee. which i've been editing up well, that's almost ready to drop i might drop it later today or tomorrow i will just say this will be this video will be coming out uh in a couple of weeks time so there is that oh well so, that yeah. video is probably already out then <laughs> and it means that you'll already be watching it guys and and you'll be yeah. like oh wow this was an amazing video i'm glad that you know we watched it <laughs> so this is like talking to the future i guess yeah now it's in the past yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Everyone can like check out the channel if they want to and come join the community. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I just I want to say a big thank you for agreeing to be uh, on the show. It's it's been a real pleasure learning about you and your life and everything that you do. And um, yeah, to, to everyone listening on Spotify, listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, I think we're on now, Breaker, 
everywhere else and YouTube <laughs> of course as well. Please make sure to go and subscribe to Project Zeb. He has a lot of fantastic content and he's uploading very regularly as well and uh, he's just a very interesting guy, a very creative guy. Lots of excellent stuff that he's putting out and uh, yeah, I think I think the sky's the limit with this guy. You know, he's really moving forward in a positive way and uh, I think uh, you, you'll be definitely at a thousand subscribers very, very soon. I can I can see that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's my next main goal. Where it seems to have suddenly like hit the point where it's moving. Mm, yeah, it goes in stages, really, doesn't it? It's I, I find the same with mine. It's it's kind of slowed down at the moment, but it's slowly picking up and stuff. And but I, I, again, like it's like we said earlier, I'm focusing more on the uh, the core audience now and and the, making the good content. And yeah, the numbers yeah. will come. They'll come. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what it's about, having fun with it and putting out stuff people want to see. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, listen, thanks again. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And, yeah, um, yeah to everyone listening, uh, listening at home, thank you so much for listening to the Christian Reef podcast. The support so far has been excellent. I've, As I always say, I've really been enjoying doing all of these interviews. It's definitely my favorite part about it. And to anyone that wants to appear on the Christian Reef podcast, please get in touch with me. I would love to have you on the show. I would love to get to know you, to give you a platform to showcase yourself, show yourself to the world, you know, pump all your projects out. Or even if you just want to come and and shoot the breeze and have fun and and just have a chat, uh, you're more than welcome. I would love to have you on the show. So, yeah, thanks for listening. And until next time, I bid you adieu.